Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily Podcast, some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, we were joined this afternoon by actor Kel Spellman. You know him from Cold Feet. He's in a new series on Netflix where he hot series everybody's talking about with Daniel Mace called White Lines so he talked about that and a bit of football um, we talked about a bit of technology that's being used in football by the players didn't we Andy? Yeah very interesting I think I think that could really catch on uh, Motti came on to reminisce about uh, the time that Ronaldo uh, Brazilian Ronaldo couldn't make the World Cup final and then he did so that was quite fun Martin Kellner with his sort of wry look at the week's TV yeah his earthly scorched earth policy at the top of it and uh, uh, birthday spread that was yeah. quite fun oh that's exciting actually it's in two parts and, uh, as you'll discover the birthday it spread it was today. yeah there was a it was a test match and a T20. Uh, Mike Ward with his stuff on TV. Striker, of course. You couldn't live without that icon. It's fascinating. I'd say that's about it. That's, that is definitely about it. Here it is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Paul. Yes, and all right, I'll start with the, with my wife. I'm, I am. I'm teaching her to box. And... Uh, <laughs> Honestly, she's so unsporting. But the thing is, uh, well, I don't mean unsporting that she won't ever go. She's just not very good at sport. But right. uh, yeah, it was it was pretty amusing. You, and, you would uh, have said that day one on the ping pong, wouldn't you? And now now look, yeah. now you did a rally of how many was it? Just remind the boys and girls. Seven hundred and sixty-three. Seven hundred and sixty-three. A rally of seven hundred and sixty-three shots from <laughs> from from a standing start is impressive. So I mean, I can see it. I mean, Tyson is looking for an opponent, of course, isn't he? No, <laughs> oh, no. Mike Tyson, that is. <laughs> Clive Tilsley put I put it on Instagram. Clive Tilsley says she needs a proper ring walk for costumes yeah. and music suggestions. What music should Clive. yeah, okay, well we'll ask <laughs> well, the listeners, what if uh, she's only months from her first pro fight, albeit behind closed doors. <laughs> but uh, what should be Sue's um uh, ring walk? There must walk be something there about a long suffering woman. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there must be an old country song that fits, I'm sure. So let Absolutely us know. Talk, right. Talksport.com, text 81089, tweet TS. Yeah. 
agent. Stand by your man. You can come out with a bit of Tammy, can't you? That'd be nice. It <laughs> could work, wouldn't it? That would yeah. be nice. Yeah. So, yeah, so it was a bit of fun getting a nice reaction to that. Good. Now, uh, I don't know if you saw this story. I don't know if I've got to find it. Where is it? Uh, hold on. It's Oh, yes, here it is. A cup for winners of a 1914 football match between uh, male workers uh, from Yorkshire and Lancashire sold for... 1,600 quid, which is interesting. You know who was in goal, though, don't you, that day, don't you? Who was that? <laughs> You're going to guess, aren't you? Postman Pat Jennings. Postman of Pat Jennings, of course. <laughs> Do you know what? I tried to look into that story. Was it 16 grand oh, yeah. or 160 grand, Andy? Or, I'm uh, let me have a one. look. 160. I think it was 16. It 16 a lot of grand. money, didn't it? I mean, look, if anybody can show... Yeah. Do you know, I, when I see a little story Oh, no, like you that, want, no 1,600. Oh, 1,600. <laughs> We're all talking it up. So, in a football match between two sets of posts, is in 19... Yeah. What was it? I keep putting oh, you it away. Just keep your eye on the same clipping for more than 10 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> I'm ready to move on to the next bit. Oh, okay. 1914. Sorry, I know, no, basically, once, once you've said your gag postman, Pat Jennings, I know you, it's basically dead to you in the story. But this was two sets of postmen in 1916, and I want to know why they it played was. against each other. Why weren't they I agree with golf? You. <laughs> That's very true. Why weren't they down on the range? That's the question. <laughs> they, were, they definitely would have been go wearing on, shorts. Go on, your next gag. <laughs> Don't be so cynical. <laughs> Stop giving it all away. <laughs> David Beckham, uh, we, you mentioned it yesterday, his hair has, uh, was looking quite thin, wasn't it? Was but today, thin. after a, an Instagram post from the great man himself, it's mysteriously thickened up. I don't know oh, if you okay. saw that. It's, got, it's much thicker. I'm calling it the David Guest situation. Now, I don't oh. know if you remember the late yeah. David Guest. I was, I was in a restaurant once, and he was sitting behind me, literally behind me, and I turned around. And I could see the back of his head was quite thinning. And he basically sprayed iron filings on the back of his head. Which I... <laughs> well, they did you have get that, that spray on you hair. You could buy that spray on hair, wouldn't you? But you've got to have, yeah. you've got to have a certain kind of hair to make it work. You've, you've got to have the hair of Neil Diamond <laughs> or David Guest. I mean, most people, it wouldn't work with... Uh, well, it wouldn't work on, on me, I agree. wouldn't but... work with most people, would it? It's not <laughs> a look that tends to... Unless you've got that iron filings-y uh, type look. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. And uh, earlier in the week, no, actually, I was going to do this. Did you see? Um, well, we're going to talk to these people later. The uh, people who have come up with an incredible wipe that gets rid of all viruses on phones and gives protection against COVID 19 for up to 10 days. Blimey, the Premier as, League boys are using them. Why are they, why yeah, are they using it as hand wash then? I mean, we'll ask the question of the people behind it. Yeah. Well, Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Trim. Trim. I don't know who Donald Trump is. Donald Trump. <laughs> so is, it, is there a way of getting inside your body? No, there isn't. Yeah. Donald. It's just is he a talking wipe. about that? Is he a pirate? <laughs> no, I think he is. You do all the impressions, don't you? Oh, is that John Arlott doing Donald Trump? <laughs> it very much is, let's be honest. Yeah. And uh, there's a great photo in the Daily Star today yeah. of a steak. Uh, it basically looks like Donald Trump. It's, I it's I basically. It. Yeah. yeah, no, I'll send you. I'll, I took a photo of it. I'll send it through to you. It's, uh, it's, it's thick, thick, plump, and rather fatty. This steak bears an uncanny resemblance to Donald Trump. Uh, I can't say his Donald name. Tr Donald's, Donald, Donald Trump. Trump. And Donald Trump. I mean, I know you're not a fan, but you can say his name right once, can't you? <laughs> 
Andy, you've got, you've got a bit of a Friday mince. feeling about your mate today. Oh, no. I don't know what it is. Got, I have. You know, well, it's Friday. That's what you've it got, is. You've got just under three hours, mate. <laughs> All you've got to do is just switch on for the next three hours. <laughs> I'll try my best. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> I and uh, I did come up with some songs for... Because they said it, it, they had a lovely picture in the sun of the Kentucky Fried Chicken opened up and uh, people were yeah. queuing. To, to get it, I suppose, because they're bored with cooking their own food. I can understand it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it said, fried chicken fans queue up for KFC. And I always thought, I always think the idea of the fans, I don't think they've got fans, have they? So the idea of them singing songs in their car. I had uh, Colonel Till I Die, by far the greatest wings the world has ever seen, and Bargain Bucket. But if you want to come up with your own well, songs uh, for KFC if fans. If you've got time on your end, you want to come up with songs <laughs> for people who uh, are fans of KFC. No one's yeah. got that much. Even in lockdown no one's got that much time on their hands the hawksby and jacobs daily podcast from talk sport andy good afternoon good afternoon wow so look first tell us tell us how it works um okay to 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 explain as simply as possible um when you uh when, when you have a coating the size we're talking about when you have nanoparticles in a coating um, they have an ability that they'll cling to a surface or stay on a surface. So, so to put this into context, uh, you're talking about a particle the size of a nanometer, um, 10 to the power of 9. So uh, to put that into context, a sheet of paper is 100,000 nanometers thick. So it's so small, you can't see it, feel it, touch it. it, it it's imperceptible. But when you coat a device like this, we work with a, with a, a substrate called SiO2, liquid glass. Hmm. Um, and when you lay that onto glass, put very simply it will stay behind and, and leave a small sheen or a small coating that you can't see, feel or touch uh, on the surface. So we've always worked in, in nano protective coatings, which would normally, you would lay them on a substrate and, and put simply, they would make the glass stronger. So we have a product that if you add it to your mobile phone screen, you lay it on, you can't see it, feel it or touch it, it will bond to the screen and make the screen stronger. Um, in the case of the SteriWipe, uh, it uses a similar technology, but there's a environmentally friend, environmentally sorry friendly biocide wrapped in with the, the liquid glass coating. So when you coat a flat surface, uh, as it as the alcohol that transfers it puts it on, it evaporates and leaves behind a coating of a biocide that will kill the viruses on there. And if a virus lands, will continue to kill and disinfect that for for up to ten days while the coating stays on there. Uh, have you have you as a company been hurriedly looking at? Other uses for this, I suppose. Look, it's working yeah. on windscreens. It's working on mobile phone yeah. screens. It can't. I take it it can't work on skin, can it? No, it can't. It can't. No. It's a hard surface disinfectant, and the yeah. way uh, the way the dermis works, unfortunately, it does it doesn't work in that way. Um, it's actually a product that we've had for quite a while, but you know, we got proverbially laughed out of court trying to sell it two to three years ago because everyone said it was massively over-engineered and who would spend a pound a week to disinfect their mobile device. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> attitude has changed in the last few months. Would it, would it work on, on fabric? Would it work on a mask, for example? So we do have a product uh, in our Deox range that uh, does work on a mask. We'll be bringing to market in the next 30 days. Um, where it will coat the mask and have the same effect. Um, it lasts for about 30 days and up to 20 washes. So again, the plan is it will go on a two-ply cotton poly, a lot more comfortable mask than you're used to seeing. And uh, yeah, um, and that's strange enough. We're trying to talk to some of the clubs about that because it's a kind of a branded marking opportunity where you've got a reusable cotton poly mask on. Did you approach uh, the Premier League or the clubs? Um, or or so how did we, this we, link we, come about? So it just seemed... It's. I mean, the, the big challenge is, although we, we we sell it commercially for personal devices, 
Um, we're as keen to see sport back on as anyone. And one of the big challenges, I think, we live in a touchscreen world now. And if you look at it, it's more at coaching staffers and things like that. Mm. They're passing around iPads and doing, and, and they're one of the biggest transferers of germs and virus. So uh, I knew someone in football from, from the day and said, look, we'd really like to talk to the clubs about this. Um, so we've reached out individually. Uh, West Ham were the first club we sent some wipes to, and I believe they've got them. Uh, there's four or five other clubs we've sent them to to try and sample and see how they use them, uh, whether they want to use them on the clubs, as I said, on the clubs' devices that coaching staff are, are using or, or on the players' personal devices. You mentioned that uh, three years ago it was hard to persuade people. Now, following this, I'd imagine it's completely the opposite of that. And we all know when footballers go for something, everybody goes for it. So do you think now you're going to be sort of inundated with the requests for all this stuff? <laughs> we live in hope. We live in hope. It'd be very nice if we were. <laughs> I hope yeah. so. It'd be great. Um, yeah. So, so, I mean, yeah, we, we hadn't sold much of it. I think we've um, where countries are opening up more, our normal sales of through retail so so in the uk um people like ee and ice mash are taking the product but unfortunately they've got no shops open at the moment but uh, across europe we've we've sold a we sold a few million of the wipes in the last few months it's going to go live in media marked as germany goes under its uh, opening i think it's across the biggest store in germany for the ce store in germany um from june the first so yeah we're starting to see more of uh, more of an interest in it the, the pro this help really helps us because there's a buyer side involved normally our products have a level of uh, scepticism people have when we talk to them. Because I'm basically saying to you, I've got this completely invisible coating. You can't see it, smell it, feel it, or touch it. Give me £30 and your phone's fine. Uh, that's not, <laughs> the best of, not the best of commercial models. So, yeah, it's helped to make people aware of it and, and to get a little bit more faith in, in the technology at a consumer level, yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask you about a sort of price point, Andy, because there might be people out there who've got key workers going out all the time, but they still need to share tablets, maybe at home or touching sort of surfaces are the kind of things that you can protect so that's what you're looking at are you about 30 quid uh no not in this case the the wipes for the phone um a retail pack of four which which will protect you for for a month 30 to 40 days comes in about five quid it's about a pound a week to protect uh, uh, and a wipe in that would do about a meter squared so you could protect a phone protect an ipad and it's not just the screen it covers the whole device it's a hard surface disinfectant um we, we have other kind of scopes of it which come in a little bit cheaper than that that are, that are water-based this this is alcohol based so it doesn't affect the electronics of the device we have some water base you could use on regular surfaces or high touch areas like door handles and things like that um and it, that that's really the th people are a lot more aware now of viral transfer and when you look at um the, the, that high touch area is really what you want to use a surface like this on um, as, they, as they safely get back to work yeah well we'll leave you a crack on with a vaccine so <laughs> thank you <laughs> uh, cheers Brilliant. Andy good to talk to you thank you the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport now Andy are you ready for a bit of striker I'm looking forward to it I really am looking forward to it it's yeah. getting very very exciting now um, this is Steve Bruce's murder mystery novel, one of three wrote in the late 90s. That's right, Steve Bruce, uh, the uh, Newcastle manager. Uh, this one was called Striker. And uh, so far, um, we're going to rejoin Steve now. And the uh, story today is that he's been arrested for uh, star striker Pat Duffy's murder, then released on bail. Uh, the Lettersford, not Steve Bruce, obviously, this is the Lettersford town manager, Steve Barnes, <laughs> obviously, no, uh, yeah. no similarity no at all. Uh, and Steve uh, Barnes has just caught another one of his strikers, Jimmy Lawson, breaking into a cabinet at the club and has decided to Ooh. follow him. I switched off my mobile phone. I didn't want it to ring and 
reveal my whereabouts to Jimmy Lawson. I decided to follow him. My car was in the place specially reserved for me as first team coach. I drive a Jaguar XJ8, 3.2, the sports version. It's a very nice motor, 3.2 litre AJV8 oil alloy engine, classic colour interior theme, fluted leather seats, contrast colour keyed fascia, figured walnut veneer. I'm as good as Clarkson, me. As good a motor as you can hope to drive, but not the car you'd choose when trying to follow a Ford saloon in a discreet manner. One look in his rear mirror and Jimmy would guess who was tailing him. I needed to be very careful indeed. He turned left at the stadium near to the cinema complex. A police car pulled away from the cinema and tucked in behind me. When people see a police vehicle, they usually slow down and often feel guilty. We all bend the traffic laws at some time. I had nothing to feel guilty about. My registration, license and all other statutory details are fully up to date. Jimmy Lawson was my concern. I didn't want to lose him. He had to stop at the traffic lights when the side road joined the main Brightsford Road. At this time of day, the Brightsford Road is busy. This made it easier for me to blend in with the traffic. I was tucked in about six cars behind Jimmy. Jimmy drove up the ring road. He made a turn to the left. He had no choice. I followed. He pulled to the right and appeared as if he were about to drive into the town centre. Instead, he did a swift U-turn. He beat the traffic lights, but I did not. I was able to see in the rearview mirror. The XJ's electrochromic rearview mirror and the door mirrors, electrically adjustable and heated, ensured I had clear vision. See, this is Top Gear. Uh, that's the brilliant Ian Dant yeah. bringing that to life is Steve yeah. Bruce and uh, Dant did point out earlier on um, I mean I don't know if uh, I don't know if Jaguar paid for the print run I wonder if Steve, I say, nice Steve said to the, placement there. yeah said to the local <laughs> Manchester Jaguar dealer I'm like, I want to produce a couple of thousand books um, and if I go into great detail into the XJ he wasn't he wasn't editorialising there Dant this is the way Steve says it in the books the Jaguar XJ8 3.2 the sports version a very nice motor 3.2 litre AJV8 all alloy engine, classic colour interior theme. Then he goes on to talk about the electrochromic rear view mirror. He's done everything but basically say, Ask for Brian, he'll do you a good deal. 0161. It's great, isn't it? Good old Steve. Brilliant. Fantastic. Nice, nice new work. jag for him. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. Now, uh, something else for you to get stuck into on uh, Netflix uh, from today. We'll be uh, chatting with one of the stars, Kel uh, Spellman, of uh, the new series. It's called White Lines, and here's a little flavour of it. How long are you here? Depends. I came to find out who killed my father. He disappeared off the face of the earth 20 years ago. There would be no investigation. They were Axel's best friends. They all seemed pretty suspicious. When did you last see him? At his party. It was wild. We went through this 20 years ago. I'm not doing it again. He's hiding something. There we are. A little flavour of uh, the new series, uh, White Lines. Joining us now, your name from uh, Cold Feet. He's, he's joined us on the show before. Big City fan as well. Kel Spellman, good afternoon, Kel. Good afternoon, gents. How are you? Yeah, we're good. Yeah, yeah. How's lockdown been treating you? 
Yeah, it's, it's been all right, you know. I think, you know, I think as we all are muddling through, but I feel kind of I've got a bit more of a grasp on the situation over these last few weeks, I guess. How about yourselves? Yeah, well, we've, we've kept yeah, working. too we've, bad, thanks. We've, we've still been going um, from home, but it's, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a strange time. It's it's interesting, Kel, because with lockdown, Netflix has really come into its own and people are really watching and binge-watching programmes. So this is absolutely perfect timing, isn't it, from you, from your point of view being in this series, which people are saying looks set to be the summer sensation. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll take that. Um, <laughs> fing, fingers crossed, you know, it, it is. But no, I mean, it goes without saying, I think, obviously... I'd, I'd much prefer that this was coming out under under normal circumstances and, and we were in a more normal place. But um, I guess on the silver lining would be, like you say, it feels like it could actually really work in the show's favour. And I guess, you know, with, with the nature of this show, and it, it really is brilliantly bonkers, um, but I feel like it could be the, the perfect escapism for people uh, just to go and throw themselves into sun, sea, music and everything that goes with the White Isle of Ibiza. Uh, yeah, for sure. It, it looks it looks sort of beautifully shot. You kind of and you kind of get you're going to get a bit of a uh, bit of warmth off the screen. It feels you can kind of feel the heat <laughs> in most of the scenes. I've only seen the sort of extended trailers, but it, it's got that feel to it. Yeah, it has. You know, I mean, listen, I was the envy of quite a few of my mates' eyes when I when I was fortunate enough to get this job because they were like, "Trust you to to bag the job that goes filming," you know, in Spain over the summer. <laughs> um, but it is kind of, you know, part of the part of the identity of the show is that it's it is a show of extremes. You know, everything is slightly heightened, and and we do not hold back with pushing. You know, what it would be like to to be abroad and be in Ibiza. It is very much blue skies, sun, sand, and and uh, lots of partying. Uh, so it's it's a big part of it, but it's 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 full on. Sounds like drugs in paradise, or one of those. <laughs> <laughs> but never mind. Uh, uh, now uh, it's got a great cast. I mean, Daniel Mays, who is so versatile, isn't he? I mean, we're seeing him in Code Four Hundred Four at the moment. We've seen him as Ronnie Biggs. We've seen him in loads of different things. Line of Duty. Once again, he's playing this time a drug dealer. So he sounds it sounds like quite a, a sinister and interesting role. For sure, John. That Danny is Danny is one of my favourite people, and and I was a big fan of Danny as I think we all were before, before I started working with him because I'd seen him do a couple of plays, and you know his his work speaks for itself. And genuine, I can say it like with earnest when he's not around, but he is one of the finest actors coming out of the UK for me. So we actually share a character. So the 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 story is told across two timelines, mm. present day and the the nineties. Uh, so it flashes back to when the characters you see in older form when they were younger so me and Danny play the same character he's Marcus and I'm younger Marcus right. um, so that was that was a real treat to, to share a character with him as well it's a sort of Anglo-Spanish uh, production isn't this kind of quite a big Spanish cast as well yeah, it's, it's. I mean, to be honest with you, gents, I mean, it's it's probably one of the most, well, the most international show I've ever done. So it's it's written by a a guy called Alex Pinar, who is a genius. He wrote uh, Money Heist, which you might have heard of. That's kind of mm. been an absolute hit. Yeah. Um, but it's it's very much it's a kind of almost half English, half Spanish. So we've got an English cast in there, but it, it's set in Spain. We have some incredible uh, Spanish actors. You know, some some absolutely kind of big dogs, so to speak, in the show. And it, it, it's, to be fair, it's not not just Spanish. We've got Icelandic actors. Uh, we've got some. We've got some French actors. We, it truly is like 
we cover all the bases and we were filming it at the time where you know the, we were the country our oh, well particularly in the uk we were going through some some turmoil so it was quite nice to show that this is what can be achieved when we all work together <laughs> and it's out today is it 10 mm. 10 part uh, series all available today all available today, yeah, 10, 10 episodes. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, you know, it's received well and, and it lands with people. It's, uh, it, it is a hell of a ride, honestly. Like, I've, I've never read a script or like it or, you know, some of the stuff I've filmed, I never thought I'd, I'd be filming or some of the stuff I'd seen for sure. So it is, it is a, a strap-yourself-in show. If you don't take it too seriously, I think, you, you know, you can go on a real journey with it. Yeah. I like, I just, people would say, well, isn't it obvious they're all out today because it's on Netflix. But I think after the... The, the Jordan and the Chicago Bulls documentary, The Last Dance, where they're releasing a couple of weeks. I wonder if mm-hmm. Netflix might start to do that a bit of a, you know, they may, they may start to do that with other shows, you know, not put everything out all at once. Yeah, I think I think there is something something in it. I love that kind of. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's a luxury that we can, when we want to watch something, we can watch it all in one go or as quick as we want. But I also love that old school kind of having to wait week by week. I, I've recently finished Better Call Saul, and that's still a show that Netflix were releasing on a week by week basis. So they do do it for a few shows, I think. Yeah, I I actually did it myself for Afterlife. I'm love that show so much it's a brilliant Same. thing but i've resisted watching the whole lot so i've, I've basically friday night is after night so we sort of leave a week between each one so you won't binge it on purpose andy it's the idea uh, yeah, is to kind of a, make to stagger it okay well, that's but i'm old school but we yeah. should while we've got you Kel, we should ask you a little bit about football you are a big city yes. fan and uh, it's uh, the the break may have come as a good time for city in a certain sense of you know all the stuff that was going on with uefa so it'll be a very see what happens at the end of all this when we do come back yeah i mean to be honest the, the, the uefa thing it's it's a funny one i i really do still stand by our, my club and its owners you know and i think it, i really just on the face of it it doesn't feel quite right to me that i know i'm known this is quite bold but that uefa seem to play judge jury and executioner i mean that on, on in any in any form i don't think would seem fair if if one um you know company so to speak can kind of run the rule over whatever they they say they want to run the rule over so I, i'm i'm still not worried i mean obviously it'd be gutted if we, we got the ban but I, I believe in our owners and stand by what they say i think more for me it was we were looking across to to liverpool and seeing what was just about to happen so as a as a mancunian and as a city fan it kind of came at the right time in that respect but we just beat madrid you know i went to the bernabeu for that game and you know it was it was massive that so i felt like we were picking up some momentum finally so yeah it was a bit bittersweet i guess <laughs> now before we let you yeah, go well that night <clears throat> Absolutely. I'll be pleased yeah. to hear that. Just uh, in my t- Twitter timeline, a, a review of the show has just popped up from The Guardian, and, and they give it a big thumbs up. Um, oh, it? So a good review. That's, that's, that doesn't hurt, does it? Great fun, yeah, as we we'll called it. We'll take that. Do you, yeah. Gents, I wanted to ask you, though, um, do, 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 you, do you see, I know this is the big question, can you, can you see football coming back, I guess, in... in foreseeable or in the short term i think a lot i mean we, we, we've got germany coming back tomorrow and i think they're really feeling the, the the responsibility and the pressure of this they'll know that all over europe maybe all over the world in big leagues all eyes will be on them to see how that works and if for example i don't know a dozen of the big players uh went down with a virus in the first week that could have a huge yeah, bearing on what happens around the world but you know if it touch wood it all passes off 
relatively straightforwardly, and I think I think we will kill you. I think I think you know it's look it's an industry like any other, and there will be players, and we know there are players that that are very very nervous about that, and they'll have some decisions to make if and when the game comes back, or maybe they'll have the influence that says it won't. But you you do kind yeah. of sense there is a will to make it happen. I mean, I, what's your feeling on that? I mean, I like everybody feels you know they're they're a bit conflicted about the health issues and about wanting to see football back again yeah i've i've kind of i mean listen i think as as all as football fans are i'm I'm literally chomping at the bit just to one enjoy football again whether that be playing it or watching it but i think health and safety has to obviously take precedent um i just when when i read articles and see the way they're going i just can't help but feel that you know it seems that profit and money seems to be the top of some people's lists rather than putting the health and safety of players and people first. And I think that's where we need to turn, flip it on its head a bit. I mean, I'd love it to come back, but only under the right circumstances and, and not just so, you know, people can can get a, a paycheck and make sure that, you know, obligations are upheld. I think that's that's by and the by when we're dealing with, with, with life and death, I guess. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast. From TalkSport. Hawksby and Jacobs here on TalkSport. John Motson joins us every week for a bit of a sporting memories session. This is a, a personal one for Motti. A fairly bizarre build-up to a World Cup final. This is back in 1998 when France played uh, Brazil. And uh, we're going to play you a little section to relive that moment from a documentary The Beeb did uh, a short while ago. You're going to hear from Des Lynham, uh, David Ginlar, Gary Lineker and indeed Motti himself. This is what happened. We've just had the surprise news, I suppose the shock news, that Ronaldo will not be in the Brazil 11 for tonight's match. Just have a look at this at home if you can see it. Um, that's the actual 11 here, and you see that Edmundo is playing, and Ronaldo's on the list as a substitute. I got the team sheet in the studio. It didn't have him on it, and uh, Ronaldo on it, and we couldn't believe it, you see. So we got on to Motti and said, what's going on here? Desmond, I've never had anything like this in my career. The, the scenes in the commentary boxes for the last 45 minutes have been absolute mayhem and chaos. There were journalists and commentators racing around trying to find out the truth behind it. Yeah, it's a big news for the, the French team because Ronaldo uh, is very, very important for the Brazilian team. Uh, it was rumours about him being sick, being injured. Uh, so we thought it was a bit of... Um, to annoy the French team, not knowing that the best player will play or not. I'm just going to interrupt you there because news has just come out that the biggest wind-up in World Cup football history has, has just hit the news because Ronaldo will play. There's been a big mistake in the team sheets. Suddenly there was a change. Another team sheet came and he was back on it. So there was a hiatus. It gave us a good story for a while. We were holding up team sheets in front of the camera and all that sort of stuff. There we are, reliving. It was bizarre, wasn't it, Andy? I mean, we were working on oh, the Fantasy incredible. World Cup with Skinner and Badil, and it was, it was crazy, wasn't it? You know, you, I, I yeah, believe it wasn't going to be crazy. crazy. So, anyway, John, uh, as always, John Motson joins us. Good afternoon, Motty. <laughs> That's brought back a few memories, Paul. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I was reading your World Cup book, John, and uh, you'd gone across to have a chat with Brian Moore, the ITV commentator. It was his last commentary, wasn't it? And then as you tried to get back to Trevor Brooking, your co-commentator that day, you wondered why everybody was sort of blocking your way and there was reporters and everybody yeah. going crazy. 
Yes, I got a bit overexcited when they finally got me in front of the camera and I was talking to Des because um, Trevor Brooking, of course, was my co-commentator. And uh, at one point I said, well, I think I've got Trevor Brooking. So, and of course, he was sitting right next to me, <laughs> um, which, which <laughs> made me, people realise just how sort of rattled I was by the whole situation. But it was bizarre because, um, as you rightly uh, went back there over, over the uh, circumstances, we had the first team sheet and he wasn't in the 11, uh, Edmundo was, and then the second team sheet, blow me, uh, Ronaldo, <laughs> Ronaldo, who, who I should say, even then, in, back in, I know he went on to, to, to win it in 2002, back in 1980, he, he was a key figure for Brazil, I mean, he scored in the semi-final against Holland, uh, he also scored in the shootout, which followed that semi-final, actually, Um and here he was. Uh, first of all, we thought he'd been left out. Then, as David Ginola said, we thought he might. The, the rumour went round that he'd had a sickness, which in fact turned out to be true. And finally, he played. But but I tell you the thing that made me think very well, that made me think something was wrong in the Brazil dressing room that night, Paul. Um, Brazil never came out to warm up. Mm which was most unusual. So something was going on below stairs, which we never quite found out. There were rumours about Nike, the sponsors being involved. I don't know quite whatever came of that because it then, it then materialised that Ronaldo had spent the afternoon in a hospital having had some kind of seizure. Well, I don't know what sort of seizure it was, but he certainly shouldn't have played because he was a pale figure of, of the Ronaldo that we know. And as everybody also knows, um, Brazil went on to lose 3-0. We've never really got to the bottom of it. I mean, there are still articles sort of saying what really happened that day. I mean, on the day, did you, after the match, did you go and sort of look into it? Did, did you hear anything that you thought, well, yeah, that sounds exactly right that would have happened? Or was it all confusion the whole way? Well, it was for a while. I mean, eventually, I think it was Roberto Carlos, who was Ronaldo's uh, roommate, did come out and explain uh, that he'd had a seizure or, um, or, or he was ill in the room and he was rushed to hospital. Uh, and that We got that far. And then Gary Lineker, who you heard of there, sorry, heard there, um, he, he, he then said in an interview with Ronaldo, I think it must have been four years later, mm. before he played in the final in, in 2002 in Yokohama, he actually he did get Ronaldo to tell the story from his point of view and it seemed to me that yes he was in the hospital he suddenly started to feel better he was rushed to the stadium they changed the team sheet in the dressing room he must have been pleased Edmundo must have he thought he was going to start Ronaldo walks yeah. in <laughs> anyway and, 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 and yes I, I think the story's been pieced together whether there was any, any influence from anybody else when he got back in the dressing room as to whether he should start the game that's something we haven't ever really properly found out but there was no doubt about it I mean he, he, he was well below his normal form and um, I think the Brazilians must have regretted the decision they made After that World Cup final Motti, uh, when you left the ground with Gary Lineker, you went looking for uh, the car to get you back to the hotel didn't you? I've read that story in your book tell us that one I think I think Gary uh, actually pinched the car that was meant for the director general, as if, if I remember. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he can get away with anything, Alinica, can't he? Um, and I jumped in it with him. So, so there you go. That, that's how we got back to the hotel. But my goodness me, the the, re, the, the, the repercussions of that of that incident and decision they reverberated for years, didn't they? Yeah, um, yeah. 
But it, do, it does just go... It's not John Burt's car. No, not the John yeah, Burt's yeah, car decision. Yeah. You mean the, 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 the Ronaldo decision? Well, For some reason or another, I don't think Trevor Brooking got in the car. I don't know whether we just deserted him or what we did. <laughs> Poor old Trevor's still there. We haven't seen him since that day. He's still, he's still at the stadium. Um, Trevor was one of your many co-commentators over the years, uh, Motti. I mean, you had, you had different yeah. ones and you had a good relationship with him. You worked with him f for a long time, didn't you? Yeah, many, many, several tournaments, and uh, of course he was he was a a, a great co-commentator to have when England were playing because he'd done it all at that level, and and he and he had some pretty trenchant views about the way England played. I seem to remember because it wasn't the best of times for us, was it? No, absolutely. And then, not. Of course, well, my first my first co-commentator was Jimmy Hill, mm. and if I've told this story before, forgive me, but David Coleman said to me when he handed over to yeah. me as the sort of main commentator, he said, "Don't let Jimmy have the." microphone when the ball's in play he said wait till there's an injury because if you give it to him and we only had one mic in those days Paul he said if you give him the mic you'll never get it back and I had this <laughs> terrible I, ha I had this hunch well it was more than a hunch I knew that one of Jimmy's little ambitions was to actually be holding the mic when a goal was scored and I dreaded that happening. And then we were doing a match at Wembley. You remember the old Rouse Cup between England and Scotland? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Trevor, Fr Trevor Fr Tr there was an injury. I gave Jimmy the mic. And while he, I tried to snatch it back because while he was still talking, Trevor Francis put the ball in the net. And I thought, oh, no, he's, he's achieved his... It's happened. It's, and then there he looked, pleased as punch Jimmy was looking, you know, having called the goal. <laughs> to my immense relief, I looked across to the far touchline and there was the linesman with his flag up for offside. Oh, so, beautiful. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Jimmy's, Jimmy's moment of glory <laughs> was snatched away from him. Oh, good stuff. Well, Motti, um, thanks ever so much and, and for oh, your I take on... I, on, I yeah. should have just added very quickly, Paul, um, the worst one... Well, not the worst one, because he was a yeah. great co-commentator. Mark Lawrenson once spilled an entire bottle of Coke over all my notes Ooh. ten minutes before the kickoff. <laughs> oh, beautiful. <laughs> all those, all oh, those dear. carefully... <laughs> carefully spelt out names disappeared uh, under a pool of liquid. That was probably the most unnerving moment. That happened in the European Championships, by the and way. And have you kept those ones? You keep all the notes. Have you got the, the Coke-soaked notes that no, Lauro uh, did? <laughs> have you got them somewhere? Are they, are they, were they no. not salvageable? No, no, they were not salvageable, but I, I did keep the two printed team sheets from the final in, 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 in 98, uh, one with Ronaldo in the 11, wow. one with, without Ronaldo. So I, I've still got those two, I think my son's got those. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. It's time for the birthday spread. Ten birthdays, ten gilt-edge gags from Andy Jacobs attached to eat one of them. Um, oh, yeah, and we have, to, we have to get, I have to get a very small margin of error over the ten birthdays, and so does our TalkSport listener who's taking me on, the one with the lowest margin of error as we guess the ten birthdays is the winner. You'll get the hang of it. Please uh, do play along at home. Just a bit of fun. Gary is an Arsenal yeah. fan. He's in Amman. Good afternoon, Gary. Good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, Andy. So, how, how's, how long have you been there throughout? I take it you have. Obviously, you can't really move around very easily. Is, is, this, your, is this your place of work? Yeah, I work over here. I work for a company called Zawawi Trading. We look after the Mercedes-Benz franchise for Oman, the whole country. So, I've right. been here for two oh. years now, but locked down for about the last, since the 23rd of March. So, the only thing keeping me going is listening to 
UK talk sport, to be honest. Oh, great. Well, we're glad to be yeah, a service. What, what's, it, what's it been like there? How, has it been sort of a fairly heavy lockdown? It's, it's, the lockdown's been a bit sporadic, but what hmm. we do have out here is we have quite a lot of police checks and army checks, and if you don't have the right documentation, they send you back home because... Uh, the cases are nowhere near as many as what's going on in the UK, but there's four and a half million people here and we've got just over 4,000 cases. And in the last four days, we've had a spike of nearly 300 cases a day, which wow. we're expecting a full lockdown to come through at any point in time. And of course, it's Ramadan uh, ah, at this moment yeah. in time. So it's, uh, it's a really holy month. I feel very sorry for the... For the nationals at the moment because it's a very strange ramadan for them you know they're beautiful people very kind people Amman's a lovely country to live in it's it's really nice it's really nice so Good stuff. i feel okay. for them i feel for them indeed well look, we'll crack on okay. we've got the birthday spread andy here we go first birthday oh yeah Yes, here we go, and uh, good luck, guys, and a very happy birthday to the singer-songwriter Stevie Winwood. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, the last time I saw Stevie was at uh, Heathrow, standing outside Hertz Car Rental, and uh, he was really, really, uh, I can't even remember, <laughs> really, really impatient. That's was right, he, he was really? very impatient. Yeah. Mm. yeah, he said, bring me a higher car. He said, that's, it. <laughs> that's very good. If you know the work of the solo worker Stevie Winwood, that's very good. I like that. That's a good start. Um, I'd say he's got to be getting on now, Stevie. What is he? But he was a younger member of those bands, wasn't he? He was a boy a superstar. 69, I'll go. What do you think, Gary? I've come with a bit of a plan, because you always seem to win, Paul. So I'm yeah. going to go with zeros or five. Okay. So I'm going to go for 75. 75. What is he, Andy? He's 72, so you're 72. both three out. We're both three out, so we're both uh, three apiece. Okay, Gary goes first. Go on, Andy. Okay, Gary, it's a very happy birthday to the chairman of the Wellcome Trust from 2000 to 2006 and Cadbury Schweppes from 93 to 2000, Sir Dominic Cadbury. Sir Dominic Cadbury. And I don't know if you know this, but he loves a non-alcoholic pub crawl. He has a glass and a half of full cream milk in every bar. Is that... <laughs> Oh, he's, oh, he's doing well today. Uh, Gary, Sir Dominic Cadbury, how old do you think he is? You go first. I'm going to go with 80. That sounds old. Okay. Go with 80. Yeah, he sounds like one of these venerable board members. I'll go a bit younger, 78, Andy. What is he? He's 80. Oh, he's 80. That's so that's uh, three. I'm two, so I'm on five. So Gary's in the lead, lowest uh, leading at the moment. Back to me. Okay, it's a very happy birthday to... Where is she? I can't even find her. Of course I can't. Oh, God. Why don't you put these in a list? Wouldn't that I make have, sense? I put, I, yeah. I, I, normally I... I <laughs> yeah. Where is she? It's... Oh, for goodness sake. Come on, woman. <laughs> don't blame I, her. Blame I, you I, for not being able to find yeah, her. I, oh, I'll, I'll come back to her and I'll come back to her in a minute. Okay, it's the singer... <laughs> Alison Goldfrap. Oh, what yeah, Alison Goldfrap. Alison Goldfrap. Oh, yeah. Oh, I found the other one now. Okay, Alison Goldfrap. Okay. That's it. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you know this, but her dad was a milkman. Her real name is, in fact, Alison Goldtop. Is that right? I never knew that, really. Um, uh, <laughs> Alison Goldfrap, old milk. 40, 46. What do you think, Gary? I'll go 50, then. 50. What do you think, Andy? <laughs> She's doing well, you know. She's 54. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, I was eight out, so I'm on thirteen. He's, I like Gary's system. He's playing. He's playing the house. He's uh, yeah. He's, he's very good. <laughs> he's doing well, really. So Gary was four out, so he's on seven. Having a long time for yeah. <laughs> thirteen plays seven. Here we go. Here she is, the uh, founder now, the theatrical designer. Very happy birthday to Eileen Diss, D-I-S-S, Eileen Diss. And uh, no spoilers, but she's at an age where we must uh, maintain social distancing with her. Yes, as MC Hammer would say, you can't touch this. You can't touch this, of course. <laughs> Eileen Diss, what is she, a, is she a costume designer, you say, yeah? <laughs> yes. OK, what do you think, Gary? I'm going to go Eileen's an old and isn't it? So let's go 80 again. 80? Oh, yeah, I like your system of on the fives. Um, I think Eileen's probably in that region. I'll go a bit older. I'll go 84. What is it, Andy? She's 89. 89. 89. So I'm five out. So, okay. So, uh, so you're nine yeah. out, which uh, now gives you uh, 16, doesn't it? And uh, what was I? How, was that? How many out was I? Can, uh, eight, I'm on uh, 80. So I'm now only yeah. two behind, apparently. So it's very exciting, isn't it? Uh, well, Wait, very happy birthday that. once again yeah. to, I don't know if he's been pictured with a moose, but uh, he's the volcano. <laughs> I can't even say this, Pardon? volcanologist yes. and trustee of the National History Museum, Professor Sir Stephen Sparks. Professor Sparks. Yeah. And uh, one time uh, we were based in Mansfield together, actually. Oh, yeah, we? But we became sworn enemies. It was ridiculous. Sparks said to me, this town ain't big enough for the both of us. <laughs> Why Mansfield? <laughs> it's a town. Oh, okay. I hate to think of a <laughs> it's quite random. Town. Quite random <laughs> choosing of a town. Because if, if I chose a city, you'd say to me, that's not a town. That's it's technically a city. A city. <laughs> okay, all right then. <laughs> Great news for the people of Mansfield, put on the map today. I'd say he's 82. What do you think, Gary? Stephen uh, Sparks. I'm going to go yeah. 55. 65, you say? Yeah. Okay, 65. What is he, Andy? 71. 70. Oh, okay. So, oh, six out for, uh, so that's uh, 22. And I said, what did I say? I said it was 80, 85, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. 82, I said. So I'm um, I'm 10 out, aren't I? So that puts me on 28. I'm getting beat. We've only got time for two more. We're having such oh, fun. No. Is that, well, you couldn't find oh, no. Eileen Dish. That took a minute off the quiz. <laughs> We've got time for two more. We're going to settle it at seven. Keep going, Andy. Oh, no. Oh, all my work. Professor Anthony Hewish, the radio astronomer and Nobel Prize winner for physics, 1974. Professor Anthony Hewish. And uh, I am really, really close to a couple of members of his family. Yes, some of my best friends are Hewish. Yeah. <laughs> Gary, what do you think? That's got to be old. <laughs> yeah. 90. 90. I think, I think you're in the ballpark. I'm going to go 91, Andy. 96, I think he is. Okay. Yes, he's well, 96. Bad. So that puts 96. me on 33, and you, uh, you're you on 28. So we've got time. So I've got to be within five to claw this back. Otherwise, Gary, you are the winner. So this is the final one, Andy. I do apologise. Okay. She's the founder of uh, Spare Rib and the editor at the Daily Express from 98 to 2001, Baroness Rosie Boycott. Baroness Rosie Boycott. Yeah. And uh, soon after she left the Express, she was at a loss at what to do, really. I saw her in a passageway, racked with indecision. Yes, Boycott was in the corridor of uncertainty. Yeah, of course she was. Uh, Rosie <laughs> Boycott is 67, I'm going for. What are you going to go with, Gary? Snookers, what are you going to go with? 
I'll go with 70. 70. I think that might be enough to win it <laughs> for you. What was Andy? He's sneaky. 69. 60, and it's enough. <laughs> I've finally been beaten. What about that? By a gooner of all people. I'm never going to live this down. <laughs> oh, well, look, we never got to the end. We'll let Andy do his three gags for over the next hour, so uh, that will make people stay on. <laughs> were, if you were going to tune out, don't now if. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. From Talksport, we found out what Arsene Wenger has been up to in lockdown earlier this week. Look, I've been baking um, some cakes, yes, but uh, I do not have any eggs in them. I have no eggs in them because I don't like to crush eggs. I like to leave them unbeaten. <laughs> there we are. That was, of course, uh, the brilliant impressionist Luke Kempner there, and joining us now, the voice of them all. The vo- I, mean, I never heard him do an impression, but that's not that that, that get in the way. <laughs> that's it true. is squad number nine, Martin <laughs> Kellner. <laughs> Do you do impressions, Martin? I've never, never thought to ask. I reckon I could uh, pretty well match that uh, Arsene Wenger one, <laughs> to, be, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the best I've ever heard. Oh! Uh, yeah, bitchy. Well, fair enough. Well, not being bitchy, I'm sure he's a brilliant impressionist, but um, not on the evidence of that. He's brilliant at He's that. never going to come on again. I think Is that's a great Arsene Wenger impression. Really? Is yeah. he the guy who does uh, Jurgen Klopp and all those people? Uh, he probably does, but I don't think he's who's the, who's the scouser. He's for the scouser. Oh no, 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 no! That's that's, yeah, that's, that's, um, that's Darren Farley or somebody else. Darren, Darren Farley. Farley. He is yeah. really good. He's oh, really okay. Good. Well, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So oh, you're uh, really making it. Luke Kempner feel <laughs> special. <laughs> great. Well, I, I think you're being very harsh, but you know. well, I might be a little harsh. But the, yeah, the, okay. <laughs> You know, these are these are unprecedented times. They, you know, they are. They, that will get you off the hook. So I'll tell, um, what, I'll tell you what I do have. Um, yeah, you, yeah. you mentioned Andy's doing uh, three gags in this hour of the show. Well, yeah, well, yeah, that's the yes. plan. <laughs> That's the plan. Yeah. Um, if I, not I in front of you, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> not on that basis. I feel I ought to stay sort of locked into you because every time Andy does one of his gags, I could do this. Yeah. Um, I've got a swanny whistle. Have you really? Sw- yeah, it's here. There we are. Wow. Uh, can you, oh, do, can you play like much that. on it apart from that? No, I, it's, this is just, it's for punctuation purposes. Yeah, of because course it is. When I'm, when I'm on at sort of uh, three o'clock in the morning yeah. uh, and I say something that I think is funny and obviously there's no reaction because it's three o'clock in the morning, there's somebody uh, <laughs> sleeping at talk radio sort of putting the show out or whatever. Um, so, so, nobody, so there's no reaction. Just to let people in Kuala Lumpur know that it was meant to be funny, I just go... <laughs> Uh, and that alerts them that there may have been humour there. I'm suggesting it to have I got news for you as well. That's a uh, nice one, Yeah, they cool. Might, you're you're scorched earth today, you are, Martin, aren't you? Oh, really? Oh, oh. The world of comedy is not safe. What, are, what have you watched sports-wise this week on the TV? Well, now, this uh, a fantastic baseball documentary, really, really good, which I'm going to... the ti- There's a profanity in the title, but it's not one of the worst ones. OK. Uh, the show's called The Battered Bastards of Baseball. OK. Um, so obviously they've gone for the alliteration there. Not great if you're a vent act, is it really? That one? <laughs> not, not at all. No, not at all good. Um, it's the st- if you ever wondered uh, about Kurt Russell's dad, Bing Russell. 
Um, this is the story of how he set up an independent uh, baseball team in Portland, Oregon in oh. the 1970s. It's a fantastic story. I don't know this baseball- story. Ah, well, baseball, as I'm sure you all know, uh, has a farm system. So the teams in the minor leagues are feeder teams for teams in the major leagues. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in Portland, they had the Portland Beavers was their team. Uh, again, not great for uh, ventriloquists. But anyway, the, Port- the, the Portland Beavers was their team. And there was no interest. You know, there were cr- they, they showed you a shot of the crowd that was almost empty, to be honest. So uh, they died, the Portland Beavers, obviously, because they had very little support. Mm. And uh, Bing Russell, who was a huge uh, baseball fan, uh, as well as a film star... Um, this is a great story because they lived in St. Petersburg, Florida and I think the Yankees trained down there, he became friends with, he was a bit, it was a bat boy I think as they call him, he became friends of uh, Lefty Gomez and Lou Gehrig and Joe DiMaggio and all those great sort of Yankee names uh, when he was growing up, you know, there's shots when he was nine years old. Uh, They moved to Hollywood um, and he got parts in movies they said because he could ride a horse if you could ride a horse in those days, you were in. And he wow. appeared in films, yeah, he appeared in films with John Wayne, Loretta Young, Yul Brynner, uh, all sorts like that. Uh, but his passion remained, uh, he also was the sheriff in Bonanza. Um, oh, yes, yeah. Older listeners will remember Bonanza. It was a story about these brothers who set fire to a map. Yeah, uh, that, <laughs> that was, was basically, basically it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's all I can remember about it. Yeah. Quite a flimsy <laughs> premise, really, wasn't it, for a Western series? <laughs> <laughs> well, so, on that thin premise, it managed to go for about 12 series. But yeah. he was a sheriff on Bonanza, but wanted a baseball team. Uh, so he set up an independent baseball team uh, in, um, in 1972 in Portland called the Portland Mavericks, mm-hmm. well named, uh, and then he just he just set up open auditions basically. So he put adverts in the paper and said, "If you want to play uh, baseball, come to Portland." Uh, and what he got mainly, I mean, he got all sorts of people, and it's a great seeing all these people uh, turning up to uh, to audition for the uh, for the Portland Mavericks. But uh, what he got basically were people who'd not quite made it in the major leagues. So there were a lot of slightly older players, yeah. but players who, for one reason or another, weren't there at uh, you know Triple A baseball. Um, and uh, you know, and it's always a nice story. I think that it's a bit like I suppose Ian Wright or Alan Devonshire or Jamie Vardy, one of those who, mm. you know, makes it late in their career. And obviously, they it's a bit like watching Sunday Until I Die or that other Mexican one I was talking about the other week. Yeah, you want to see them win matches and all that. Um, but it is it's a really really good story. You know, everybody there they were all rejects. One guy says, "When I turned up, I looked like Charlie Manson," <laughs> and he did. You saw a shot of him, he really did. Uh, they they led the league in stubble um, once. They were in the Northwestern League and uh, could have won the league. But, um, well, I won't give the, I won't give the whole uh, story away, but obviously established baseball really did not like, uh, you know, they, they were bucking the system, you know, because they were, in 72, they were the only independent, uh, I mean, at one time there were lots of independent baseball teams in America, but they were the only independent team, you know, not in the farm system, as they called it, uh, there. So that's a great story, and it's on uh, Netflix. OK, um, I'm going to check that out. Oh, we okay. probably have time oh, yeah, for one more, good. Martin, actually. One so more. Is it, okay. Yeah, no there's problem. one more that you, you've just taken your eye this week. Let us know. It certainly has. Well, uh, this is Andy's 
tip. I, ne- I never saw it, and then I noticed it was on last week uh, on BT Sport. So I, I watched that. The Marinovich Project. Right. And uh, this is, I mean, you oh, recommended this to me. Very interesting. Mm. Uh, this was a guy called Marv Marinovich, who'd been a, a conditioner with the Oakland Raiders and decided that he, you know, when he got married and had children, that he would bring his uh, his child up to be uh, a quarterback, basically. And the, the child wasn't allowed any junk food at all, um, was training from when uh, he was in the crib. This is Todd Marinovich. Um, but then he goes to the, you know, so basically when he was still in the court, his dad was doing leg stretching exercises uh, with him. Um, yeah. Uh, and he does, I mean, obviously this, it, it, it all doesn't turn out. I mean, he does become a, a very good quarterback uh, for a short while, but then all sorts of problems kick in, that sort of thing. And again, uh, I, I won't give the give the ending away because, you know, you, you'll sort of be thinking what happens. So there is a bit of a twist at the end, especially in how his relationship with his uh, with his dad uh, turns out. Mm. But that's well well worth uh, what both those are, actually, Marinovich Project, uh, and both uh, available <coughs> on uh, Netflix. I think they're both on Netflix, certainly... Oh, uh, yeah. actually, the Marinovich project you can see on BT Sport. So it's right, uh, okay. A I, I, will yeah. you be taking in the part, German part football, the... Martin, as part of your for, for us yes, next I will. week? I will watch a bit of German football because my uh, my daughter's uh, flown over to uh, Dusseldorf oh. for oh, okay. Sky News, so uh, right. I'm quite interested in you know in her take and to see and to see what happens there. I will also watch Euro '96 uh, relived, which I really enjoyed on uh, ITV4, I think it was. Yeah. Um, because uh, it was just good to see um, Jack Charlton back as a pundit and uh, Alex Ferguson and Kevin Keegan reunited and all that and the stuff you'd forgotten. I'd forgotten all about. What uh, Brian Moore called the hijinks in Hong Kong. Right, yes. Several references to the hijinks oh, yes. in Hong Kong. <laughs> of course. Which, of course, we all remember now. But it's, it just brings it all back and just makes you think, God, I'm so fed up being locked down. <laughs> locked down. I, want, I want to be out there. I want to see some football matches. Um, but, Absolutely. yeah, so I, well, that's what I watched basically this week. And I, I will watch a bit of German Brilliant. football. Uh, are you uh, on uh, this evening and uh, tomorrow? Yes, I am. Yeah. From this uh, same little spot that I'm sitting in now, one o'clock uh, in the morning. Uh, Kuala Lumpur is already getting excited. Brilliant. So, yeah, I've been at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so that's on with, Talk Radio 1am. Mm. That's yeah. right. And, and with your Swanee also, whistle. Yeah. With the... Uh, and also, we'll be playing um, a distant relation of the birthday spread with Will Gavin and uh, Jed Mills at three o'clock okay. in the morning on Talk Sport. The Swanee whistle is always very handy if you're with someone who, if you're out and about and someone's trousers fall down. <laughs> Aren't they? I mean, it really, I can't think oh, yeah. the last time that happened to me. But well, it, the it, late it, great Brian Ricks, I was with him once that happened. And, that, and his trousers, I mean, if only if you'd had a Swanee whistle, because they are, they are a fantastic... Uh, <laughs> I keep it with me at all times, just in case. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. Now, uh, the short, uh, shortness of the amount of clips we had there does allow me to uh, throw in a quick T20 birthday spread for you, Paul. Oh, good, uh, you had three, three birthdays left. To... We couldn't do with Gary yeah. earlier on, the Arsenal fan who beat me in the birthday spread. Let's be honest, they're not going to be the best three jokes. I always say, the, I always do the best ones first in the hope that the rest of it fizzles out and you don't get to these, but never mind, I'm prepared to do it. So, okay, uh, fair enough. How I'm, far am I going to be three out? names. Yeah. And not very far. I think you know them all. I'm giving you a 17-year spread over the three birthdays. Okay. And here we go. Happy birthday to a friend of the show earlier in the week, uh, Rob Key. 
Oh, yeah, Rob cricketer Key. Rob Key. Yeah. And uh, Rob was playing in a charity game, actually, facing the bowling of Lloyd Grossman, who, pro- yeah. who produced an inswinger that found the gap between Rob's bat and pad. Yes, he went through the keyhole. <laughs> sure he did. Uh, see if you can beat 17. I've got to be 17 or less for these three birthdays, the margin of Rob Key, yeah. See if you can beat me like Gary, the uh, Arsenal fan, did. Rob Key, what is Rob? He has his packed up player not that long ago. What is he about? 41? I'd go 41. Oh, on. 41. Oh, OK, good start then. Marvellous. OK, mm. next up. OK, it's our old friend, uh, the jockey, 12 times Irish jump jockey champion, Ruby Walsh. Ruby, yeah. And, of course, uh, with Ruby, he could live to be 100 if he gets the trip and stays the cars. The cars yeah. will be working very well at home. No, Joey will be. <laughs> What's Ruby, then? He's probably in the... Uh, Rob Key, slightly younger, maybe, than Rob Key. 39, I'll go, Ruby. 41. 41. Okay, same, same. as, same as same. Rob. Okay, share a birthday. Oh, you got to be... Right, I'm two yeah, out. You're going to be fine. Yeah, uh, I'm 50 well, on this one. He's an absolute legend, of course. I say of course, but he is. The yeah. musician and rock star, Stevie Wonder. Oh, yeah. It's his birthday, Stevie Wonder. Uh, big football fan, Stevie. I don't know if you know that, actually. But he has about 16 rituals that he has to perform before the game. He's very superstitious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even know I had the guts to say that. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say Stevie Wonder is late 60s. 69, I'll go Andy here, Stevie Wonder. Oh, you see, shame you've saved your best form to last, Paul. He's 70. Yeah, but Gary, you know, Gary had got in that situation and he was just hanging on me coattails, just kind of, (laughs) he was man-marking me in the birthday. It was a brilliant system, if you missed it. It was. That is clearly the way to beat me. The kind of cynicism I'd expect from an Arsenal fan, of course. But it was effective. It was effective, yes. wasn't it? One it nil was. to the Arsenal. But well done to Gary. But uh, I didn't do too bad there. Uh, hope you uh, did well too. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. So, uh, let's um, talk TV now and look at what's worth watching this weekend in the company 
of the Stars Brighton supporting Mike Ward. Good afternoon, Mike. Good afternoon, guys. Uh, should we reflect on yeah. last night first, the anti-viral wipe? I must say, oh, I, was I, brilliant. I, I did enjoy it, the Charlie Brooker. It was, I just thought it was tremendous. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, and, and, you know, it makes it look effortless on some levels, but it's such a difficult thing to do hmm. without, you know, being ridiculous. I was going to say without being insensitive. Obviously, he has got a huge level of insensitivity, but in, in just, pitched just the right way. So it's 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 fantastically done. It was, you know, a few jo- jokes didn't quite work out, but for the most part, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So on the nail, I think. Brilliant. Absolutely. Now, we were talking, uh, Mike, about um, shows that, that, that kind of are finding it quite difficult to adapt in uh, lockdown. And there's yeah. been a few along the way. Uh, but this is an interesting one. Later with Jules Holland, uh, which is a kind of, you know, that's going to have to change drastically. Well, isn't well it? quite. I mean, the very, you know, opposite. This is the 55th series, by the way, the starting tonight. Wow. Uh, but the previous 54 have been slightly different, obviously, because, you know, the tradition is studio based and you have sort of a huge eclectic range of musicians and Jules all goes around and does his, you know, rinkety tinkety piano thing whenever he gets his half, half a chance. Um, but this is done, you know, he's having to do this in, in, in his uh, studio in South London. And basically everyone he speaks to, everyone who's performing, uh, is, is, you know, we're doing it online. So for, for the most part, I think what we're going to be getting is him talking to people, reflecting on their own music, that you know, people who made their appearances on the show and their influences. So it's an excuse to serve up some old clips for, for much of it. Um, and then I think we're going to get some uh, lesser-known performers maybe doing some bits, um, you know, that they've recorded at home. So it's a totally different atmosphere and totally different style. It does to it. sound quite interesting. Though. I was just wondering whether it was just going to be them playing at home um, and a bit of a chat with them. But I think the, the chance to revisit... Because a lot of these bands, a lot of people have appeared on the show quite a few times because he's had yeah. so many series. And so I think the chance to go back over some of those performances and chat about them, I think that'd be, that'd be quite interesting. Oh, it's lovely, yeah. I mean, you could dip into it. I mean, yeah, we, you know, we are having to sort of put up with the fact that an awful lot of programmes are dipping into the archives and stuff. But I think if you do that in, in you know, in a sort of carefully sort of measured and selective way, it can be quite a fascinating experience, you know, in the same way as you, we all like sort of sitting and watching old stuff on YouTube and whatever, you know. Yeah. There are ways to show stuff again that don't just feel lazy and half-hearted, and I think this has potential to be one of them. You talked about programmes that we normally see having difficulties and everything, and it was very interesting. I noticed last week that Graham Norton's show, the first two or three weeks, wasn't great. And people were saying to me, it's not great. This is, And I noticed last week he made a brilliant adjustment. He just speeded the whole of his delivery up. He didn't bother to wait for, for you to laugh. He just went through. And the show was so much better. It was quite interesting. And it shows you when somebody's an expert what they do have. They listen to it and adjust to it. But I think, unfortunately, it may be too late because a lot of people have probably written it off. Well, I, I must admit, I, I hadn't noticed that because I didn't watch it last week. But that is interesting because obviously i would imagine a lot of people will be doing this if you if that's your job you are going to go and watch it afterwards and think hmm how how did i do how did it go and you know what can we do to sort of tweak it um and a lot of the time it's you know if you if you're if you're doing interviews with people online it's about editing out the pauses and what have you which you know i think people are getting used to um but yeah if he's if he's sort of taken his own sort of um those things on board and thought yeah if i just rattle along but and as you say the pauses are significant because the pause that you naturally leave when you perform to a crowd you know it's just going to be a, an empty silence isn't mm. it so you just need to sort of readjust your style to accommodate that 
one thing I didn't understand about it is that one of the great strengths of the Graham Norton show is is that interaction often between the guests and him. Yeah. And I wondered, I mean, in a one-on-one situation, that's not the show, is it, to an extent? A lot of it is sometimes the guests almost start chatting to each other and, and sort of yeah. stories. So I wondered why mm, he didn't true. do it. It is an edited show, so I wondered why he didn't get three guests up in that kind of format that we're seeing on Have I Got News For You. So you've got three people in vision and you're going to people and then other people are getting involved in those conversations. Yeah. So that, that might have been, it kind of struck me as maybe a stronger way to go. There'll be technical reasons why, There probably are, and it probably is a, 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 a considerably greater pain to have to do it that way. Yeah. But, but um, yeah, no, you're right, because, you know, a lot of the time he, he's sort of like, you know, he, he sits back and that interaction and that, especially when people you don't expect to get on, people who you sort of put together on the sofa who you can't imagine necessarily will have any connection and they do and that makes great tv but uh, yeah maybe it's just a little bit harder to do it's hard to get the rapport when you've got the, the, the people sitting behind their computers anyway but uh, sure. editing it that way is probably even tougher um now um tomorrow night uh it's uh, it would have been eurovision and oh. they're doing this actually looks a lot of fun graham norton's fronting this as well and they're doing a bit of a history uh, of uh, Eurovision, aren't they? Yeah, what they've done is um, an expert... It says an expert panel, panel of experts and superfans. They didn't ask me, me, who's been, <laughs> been five times to Eurovision, I'll have you know. Really? Yeah, really, Ooh. seriously. Yeah, how sad is that? Wow. Um, to, to put together this... You're slightly lost for words there, aren't you? <laughs> we are. We are. <laughs> Which one? Tell totally. us the five. Which ones did you go It was with? five in a row. It was 1999, the year after Dana International had won... Right, uh, and I remember her sort of coming up to hand over the trophy to the winner that year's winner and stumbling and falling over, which is a memorable moment. Uh, and the, the, the four that followed that, so it was, um, I can't remember the order. I think it was Stockholm, Copenhagen, uh, Riga, and whatever the capital of Estonia is. Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> the only thing I oh, always remember. I'll always remember about Dana International. Is yeah. um, Dana International was due to be a guest on? On fantasy yes. football, when we oh, were doing really? it, she was. and uh, yeah. a, a late—it was a late pullout from uh, Dana, and it didn't go down massively well <laughs> with Frank and Dave. Really? And um, yeah. because it was well, a, you know, done the to, work, we done all the work, and it was they had to hurriedly kind of change things and change all the guest stuff. <laughs> so um, did somebody else fill, fill the gap? Or, well, or I can't remember who that nah. was, but they did ask. We said, Just "Why get the real why, Dana? Why is Dana not going to make yes. it? And why is Dana not going to make it?" And they said, "Well." Uh, stomach upset and I thought that sounds a bit of a lame excuse mm. so Frank went on air and said well Dana International it's a real shame can't be with us tonight got diarrhoea oh. so <laughs> <laughs> there you are so there we are yeah. revenge so anyway, the shortlist includes yeah. the shortlist okay. includes <laughs> sort of a random selection <laughs> of songs um <laughs> Uh, Brotherhood of Man yeah. winning for us in 76 and obviously Katrina and the Waves winning for us but it's not just our song so you've, you've got song, but it's going to be Waterloo that wins surely isn't it at the end of all this come on I thought I thought the dancing Lasha mm. Tumbai the Ukraine one in 2007 was a was a work of genius what a fantastic song that is yeah maybe that maybe, maybe that will come up <laughs> you're not real. sure I'm going to vote for that I mean it's not, I'm, I'll, <laughs> you're I'll be the one person <laughs> you've got it on does. speed dial you're yeah. determined to get that one through <laughs> that's right I am. And you'll be happy. And then after that, hmm. at eight o'clock, Graham is doing the commentary for what they do. This is this is weird. They do this thing called Europe Shine a Light, right? which is basically all the songs that would have been competing, getting played out um, yeah. to Ugh. sort of celebrate the fact that there isn't a contest. But here are the songs. That, here's what you would have listened to. And I'm sort of thinking, well, why don't they just vote anyway? 
in all seriousness. It's, just, it's, it's like the song it's contest. True. You've got all the songs, you've got all the videos, you've got the technology. They're hooking up. This is coming from Holland, and everyone's each country's putting on its own commentary. How hard would it be just to sort of set up the phone lines? Just You'd have to bothered. go to all those terrible presenters' houses where they say, Hello, London! You know, oh, that sort of thing. So I don't, yes. I don't think so. It would be painful. Uh, not for me, that. That sounds quite... Awful. But there we go. Well, Michael, Michael will be watching. He's been five times. I will, yeah. yes. Actually, yeah. I'll never go God, again. They're really no. piling on the old Eurovision. There's another programme as well, isn't Yeah, there? yes. Ryland Clark, this is an A to Z of Europe. You probably have had enough by then, in all yeah. honesty. But that's 10 o'clock on BBC <gasps> Two afterwards. If I had you enough more, at 6.30. I thought you might have done that. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just got that feeling. Now, we're nearly out of time, but um, Sunday, yes. um, for Mike Bassett, they're showing the film again. Yes, they are. Yeah, they are. And it stands the test of time, because obviously you look at... I think he had a lot to offer. This is obviously Ricky Tomlinson playing... Uh, this is from 2001. I haven't realised that, that, that long ago, Ricky Tomlinson playing the guy. But Norwich City manager f- manages to find himself managing the uh, national team uh, and getting to the World Cup. And, and it's got Bradley Walsh playing his sort of... Um, uh, you know his in his coach, whatever. Yeah. But lots of sort of references to real life football people uh, around at the time. So lots of in jokes there, apart from uh, uh, alongside it. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, it'd be good to see well, that. Very again. very quick mention for John Le Mesurier. It's all yes. been rather lovely. I saw this first time around. It was excellent. It's a, yeah, extraordinary love. Yeah, this is on BBC Two tomorrow night, uh, six forty-five. It was shown in twenty twelve, and he was married three times. Uh, second times to Hattie Jakes, mm. um, who then took a lover. So John Le Mesurier, he stayed in, he stayed in the house. Uh, and went into a spare in the spare room rather than sort of you know <laughs> moving out and, and giving up on it. And then for his third marriage to Joan, she then had an affair with Tony Hancock, and he stuck around. And uh, then she came back to him, and when that obviously that didn't go well. So yeah, and he's he was seems to be like everybody loved him. He was pretty much like the Sergeant Wilson character uh, that you see in Dad's Army. So it's fascinating. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. From Talk Sport. Well, there we are. That's this afternoon's show. We return on Monday from one. Uh, do join us if you can. If not, we'll have another podcast for you around the same time on Monday. Look after yourselves, and uh, we will speak to you soon. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between one and four p.m. on Talk Sport. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.